Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you on Monday night, August 2nd. Uh, free agency has been open for almost six hours. It's about 10.30 to 10.45 Central Standard Time. Uh, Josh and I had kind of a, a hearty debate about when we should record, but it seems like we've sort of hit the the initial lull in free agency where there have been a, a, a lot of announced deals and now we're kind of at the point where we're waiting to see what's going to happen next. How are you, Josh? I'm doing pretty okay. I think we are probably in a better headspace tonight than we were the last off season, and definitely the one the season before that. So yeah, that's yeah. progress. Well, and and before we talk about why, maybe let's just kind of roll yeah. through the mechanics of what happened tonight. So starting at about I don't know 3 p.m. Eastern. The oddly worded tweets about what was going to happen come five o'clock, like the hilarious use of awkward verb tenses from the various <laughs> newsbreakers busted out. And <clears throat> the first deal that we got was that Tim Hardaway was going to resign. Uh, and then by the time free agency actually started, we learned that he resigned for a four year, $74 million deal. Um, following that, uh, there was news about, let's see here, who's next. I should know this being that, uh, you know, we're talking about all this stuff. Um, the second deal was that Sterling Brown, uh, signs a two year deal with the Mavericks. And that had been one that had been kind of floating out in the other for a long time. So it was more a matter of when, not if, uh, and then the, the last deal that was reported was Dallas signs, uh, kind of journeyman. Uh, wing, shooting guard, whatever you want to call him, Reggie Bullock to a three-year deal worth about $30 million, so about $10 million a year. Um, and then since then, we've we've sort of been sitting. Um, to, to get to this point, I also think it's at least worth mentioning, the Mavericks seem to have, like Tyler Bay is no longer a member of the Dallas Mavericks, which I'm I'm more than a little surprised about. It makes that entire... Josh Richardson for Seth Curry swap like and uh, like it's just a feat like a failure of the highest degree um at the moment in in my opinion but we can circle back to that at another time um but yeah so so Josh where where should we pivot well i guess we should probably pivot to before we get to brown and bullock we should probably set the stage for why things are are quiet right now and mm-hmm. address that the Mavericks are not done and that there's still a lot of pieces on the board and there's a lot of different ways this offseason could go uh, and the Mavericks could still make another big move. Now I know me and you are not cap geeks and we do not maybe have as much of an understanding of the cap and, and how all this can fit together precisely but broadly you know the Kyle Lowry going to Miami has been basically reported by everybody that it's going to be a sign and trade and it's basically been reported by the same people that Goran Dragic is going to be a part of that sign and trade it's why the heat picked up his uh, 19 million dollar option for this season so obviously Toronto is a team in transition they probably don't have much use for a 35 year old uh, point guard uh, on a one-year deal the thought has been, and, and some Mavericks people have said that that Drogic will find his way to Dallas. And I don't know the specifics of that have been varied. It's been 
there's been hearsay of it'll be a three-team deal. It'll be maybe Toronto dealing with Dallas after they complete the Lowry transaction, and then even hints of perhaps a buyout. Um, but I think that's kind of the domino I think a lot of people are waiting for. And honestly, it's kind of surprising because the Lowry thing has been done for so long. I mean, it was announced right when Frequency started. I mean, they basically had that deal done uh, days or maybe, you know, who knows, maybe even weeks ago. The fact that it hasn't been more, has it been said at the terms, have it been discussed? I wonder, has made me wonder if the Mavericks are exploring options as the market has considerably shrunk for Spencer Dinwiddie, the guard uh, in Brooklyn, and DeMar DeRozan, of course, the guard in San Antonio. Uh, And I can't help but wonder if the reason why we haven't heard much is because Dallas and maybe some other teams are now exploring a market that they maybe did not think would exist 12 hours ago um because give me an example about that because i'm I'm not it's not that i'm not following well i mean i don't know maybe i just kind of tuned out so why do you like like, walk me through this a little bit more well uh i mean new orleans who was going to be a suitor for lowry they went and got Devontae graham for about 47 million four years that's their point guard chicago signed uh lonzo ball there's another point guard. Uh, a lot of money has been has been used up by a lot of different teams. Uh, San Antonio has made a couple of deals. I believe they got Doug McDermott, uh, Zach Collins. So uh, the you know Miami got Lowry. So there's another team with cap space that's kind of done. So with Dinwiddie and DeRozan, those are guys that were probably looking for max deals. Well, the max money is there's not as much as there were there was 12 hours ago. So. Uh, I, I have to imagine the amount of suitors for them has shrunk compared to where we were at the start of free agency. So things are kind of interesting. And I and I wonder, my theory is, I wonder if the Mavericks saw those two guys and were like, you know what, they're they're we like them, but they're they're too expensive for for what we're we're trying to do this summer. And I wonder if now that all these other teams have been taken off the board, that I have to imagine that means perhaps the price of those two guys has gone down and maybe gone down enough that the Mavericks were like, okay, well maybe, maybe this is more interesting to us. Maybe we can mm-hmm. see what we can explore because, you know, with the deals they've signed, I don't know the exact you know specifics, but you know, they can get into this with the sign and trade. And if, you know, yes. if, Dinwiddie, if Dinwiddie says, Hey, I want to go to Dallas and Dallas is like, yes, let's do it. You know, they'll find like the Mavericks will trade Dwight Powell, you know, and Trey Burke or, you know, Willie Colley Stein, they'll make the moves necessary to make it work. Uh, but I think that's what's going on. I think uh, there's a lot of money spent in the first couple hours. I think a lot of teams have found their point guards, New Orleans, Chicago, uh, Miami. Uh, and I think the max money, there's not as much around as there was 12 hours ago. So I think those two guys are getting squeezed a little bit for various reasons. And I yeah. think maybe that's opened the door for the Mavericks to get back into it. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose now that we're about – 15 minutes into this it's worth addressing the thing i did this morning mainly out of jest <laughs> but that people like really got upset with me about where to be fair you came in hot and heavy i did come in hot and heavy because and i and honestly i think the market bears this out it's gonna yeah, be very yeah, interesting you're... to see what demar Derozan yeah. gets i basically made the claim that i think alex caruso who signed a four-year 37 million dollar deal with the chicago bulls is a better fit with what the Mavericks want to do than DeMar DeRozan. And this pissed off the entire internet. And 
I don't know. I don't want to say that people don't watch basketball, but like, let's be honest, like a lot of Mavericks fans just watch the Mavericks. It's hard to watch a ton of NBA games. There are like 12 games on four nights a week. And DeRozan's one of these guys that even though his advanced stats have improved the last several years, he does not play a modern version of the NBA. He is a playmaker in the sense that he has the ball in his hands all the time. But like a number of guys that kind of play game play basketball right now, I just don't necessarily feel that he's a winning player for what he thought or what the market was kind of, you know, what I felt like the market was for him. Like if the Mavericks were going to pay, you know, two years, 25 million each year for him, I would have lost my mind. The, you know, it, Tim Hardaway is a, the fact that Tim paid a, a cheaper deal really pleases me but a lot of this is kind of moot because you know if the Mavericks were to get him for a decent price then this really walks back almost a lot of my feelings about him because at that point it's a gamble you know a lot of folks were throwing his sort of raw stats at me 22 7 and 4 which yippee um they they didn't make the playoffs so I I really I just I don't care um it's it's a it's stat stuffing he's a 20 he's a 28 percent three-point shooter 24 or 26 percent the last two years but you know at a certain point it becomes about value and and if what you're talking about here where Spencer Dimwitty who does not have an agent and is a crypto bro uh miss misread his own market and if DeMar DeRozan's agent is still working on something if the Mavericks could sneak in and figure something out there that would be high key fascinating I, there's just no other way around it. Yeah. And it's and for uh, me as a hater. Yeah. It's good for me because I made the prediction, I think earlier in the week or last week that I thought that the Mavericks would get DeRozan in the same way that they got Monte Ellis, which is basically the same what's happening right now. Right. Like Monte had thought the market was going to be mm-hmm. one thing. No one was giving him the money that he wanted. A couple of days passed and lo and behold, the Mavericks are like, all right, well, we've struck out on all our guys. Uh, your price has now fallen into the range that we are comfortable with to to make this experiment work. Um, let's do it, and, and it worked out, you know, fairly well for two seasons, about better than anyone could have hoped for. So, I wonder if that's what's happening here with DeRozan and Dinwiddie. Um, you know, I know you you have your feelings on DeRozan. I'm 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 kind of with you, uh, except maybe not as I, I, not as hot of a take. But it's hard to ignore the fact that like the, for the last six or seven years. Uh, teams have played better with him on the bench than, than on the floor. And that's like, that's just really hard. And that's going across Toronto and San Antonio. Like that's just really, that's a tough stat. And he's a whore. He's a, he's been a horrendous playoff player. Like 42% is bad. And, and I know it's like, Oh, he's had to go up against LeBron. I, I get it. I really do. 42% from the field is bad. It's just kind of hard to work around that. But then um, you look at the Mavericks roster and you're like, oh, well. Oh, you know okay. who else is bad about most of the Mavericks roster? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a really great counterpoint. But, I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, but, I just think that, that everybody views certain, in certain free agents as heroes where it's like, all right, well, what is the guy actually going to do? Right. And it's hard. I think Xavier, our, our staffer, made a really good point where he was like, you know, I think a lot of people want to look at DeRozan's numbers. And just plug those in, you know, mm-hmm. to the Mavericks roster. That's and, not happening. Right. He made the good point about, you know, less usage does not equal higher efficiency or maintaining efficiency. And DeRozan is a career 27% usage player. Every team he's been on, 
he's had the ball as much as he's wanted. You know, even with Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry was much more, uh, he deferred a lot more than you would think, you know, lead point guards as good as himself would. Like he was totally comfortable playing off the ball when he was with DeRozan. So DeRozan kind of had free range with the ball in his hands in Toronto and in San Antonio. So we've never really seen what he looks like when he goes to a team where he's going to be expected to get the ball less than someone else. Like what is, what does off ball DeMar DeRozan look like? You know, what does he look like when Luca is doing his thing with the ball in his hands? Yeah. Is his lack of shooting like is the off ball qualities of DeRozan? Is that worth his contract is like, is you, you kind of have to value that part of it versus obviously the parts of the game that are great. And, you know, the parts where you can say, okay, well, maybe he can carry our bench units and, and maybe he can attack some closeouts when Luca draws defenders, that kind of stuff. But then you have to, I just want Mavs fans to weigh that with, well, DeRozan's never really done this before. Does he maintain his efficiency with less touches? Does he need that amount of touches to be as good a player uh, as he is on the offensive side of the ball? And then we're not even getting into the defense where he's one of, he's a horrific defender. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, if, if all your money is tied into KP, Luca, and, and DeRozan and Tim Hardaway Jr., if those are your top four paid guys, that's, <laughs> that's going to be tough. But again, I feel like the counter argument to all counter arguments leads back to what did we just watch in the playoffs? You know, what did we see from every player on that Mavericks roster besides Luca? Uh, and that and that makes things really makes it really tricky to evaluate him. But I think that's no. why I lean. I don't know how much you want to get into Dinwiddie, but if I had to pick between the two, I think I picked Dinwiddie. I don't know about sure, you. sure. No, I, I I honestly, it's it's an interesting choice between two players. And if the Mavericks are able to make the choice for either at this point in free agency, I am fascinated. Yes, that's kind of what it comes down to. I don't know if I feel like glaringly positive, but it's it's doing something with the money, which is what we've been crowing about for a while. And I had a lot of fans that were that like talking with me, just kind of inform me how unfrustrated they kind of are with the free agency to date. And I think you are to a degree, too. But compared to how boxed in, we discussed that they were on a number of podcasts over the last year this doesn't feel too bad it's there you know they, they weren't waiting there wasn't a bunch of nothing and they went out and got danny green in three days like they did something and honestly like bullock is you know he's he's getting paid 10 million a year he's a pretty good defender now some of that could be their scheme he shoots 47 percent from the corners like what he, he if if he and Dorian can even get a mild rhythm going on defense and that can translate to offense, the Mavericks could be fun. I, I we still don't have that secondary ball handler. That's that's kind of the the DeRozan Dinwiddie, uh, or even who we've not even talked about yet, like the Goran Dragic hope like down the line. And and I, I just I don't know. I compared to where I, I kind of expected them to be tonight. This feels all right with something to build towards. And I know Xavier and a lot of the cap guys that he's just talking about, well, the Mavericks might be waiting forever and nothing might happen. I can understand that. But even still, I this is so much better to me. They brought in two rotation guys rather than, you know, rather than a rotation guy for the past two seasons, like Delon Wright and Josh Richardson, who have worked themselves out of the rotation. Yeah, and the nice thing about these two guys, and I think I'm 
you know, spoiler alert for the column I'm writing, what was really nice about getting Brown and getting Bullock is, you know, last season the Mavericks brought in a ton of wings. They obviously mm-hmm. knew that their problem was wing depth because they basically only had Dorian Finney-Smith as their only true 3 and D wing. Okay, well, they were like, all right, well, we we, we got to do something about this. Josh Richardson, James Johnson, Wes Wendu, let's draft Josh Green, let's draft Tyler Bay. Uh, amazingly, all of those guys did not work. <laughs> Uh, and, and when you think about it, uh, it felt like the Mavericks were targeting defensive-minded wings that they would hope that next to Doncic would would blossom on offense and have maybe career years on offense getting set up by one of the best three-point shot creators in the entire league. So that was a, a bad gamble because, you know, it turns out bad shooters are bad shooters sometimes regardless of what situation they're in. So what I like about this is these two guys have, are proven, relatively proven three-point shooters. Bullock has played in the NBA, I don't know how many years, uh, but he's a 39% uh, three-point shooter, and he's played eight years in the NBA. Like He's a wildly more proven shooter than Dorian Finney-Smith or Maxi Kleba or a lot of the other Mavericks role players, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brown is at 37.4% in his, uh, you know, sh- shorter career. I think he's five seasons. Obviously, he's bolstered. He had a career year last year. He was at 42%. But even then, he still shot okay in his rookie and sophomore seasons. He was at, uh, you know, 35 and 36 his first two seasons in the league. So, like, there's something there. It's not like, oh, this guy's a 33% shooter. But with with the shots he'll get in Dallas, he'll be better. Like, no, this is the baseline is, is is much better with these two guys, and uh, that's that's a really promising sign, especially with Bullock. Like he is he is a certified three point shooter, and he should have a really really good season in Dallas. Like it, it should be less like hope and more like this is expected. This is a baseline, and then we'll see where we can go go from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, should we? at least acknowledge kind of the overarching um, Goran Dragic thing, yes. because it, I'm wondering if the, the sign and trade hasn't been made official yet, or I mean, has it like, I'm a little confused as to what's it, happening with, with Miami and, and it um, hasn't been Dragic. made official uh, except for Kyle Lowry tweeting or doing an Instagram post saying he's going to Miami, but uh, the terms of that deal are not done uh, except the only things we know is that he's going to Miami. We know it's a sign and trade. And we know Drogic is going to be involved in it because I think some Miami reporters talked to Drogic and he was like kind of saying his goodbye to mm-hmm. to Miami mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, so that's all we know. Which, okay, so there's a lot of moving parts with this, starting with the obvious one of the, the Toronto mate. They're a smart front office. They have no reason to, to let Drogic go for you know a buyout um at least immediately um if he is in in the Mavericks range it would require a trade which to me is why they they you know they have Trey Burke with this 15% trade kicker they have they re-signed Willie Cauley-Stein despite like the Willie Cauley-Stein not re-signed they picked up his team option the Willie Cauley-Stein team option thing is what tips me off or all of us off really to the Mavericks thinking like doing something because Willie stinks and well and also they have like eight centers on yeah the, on the so roster. it's like you, and and they, they you know it's like you find all those things together and it's like what is going on here so like you just get the feeling and I'm you know I'm so cynical that uh, 
even I'm kind of like, like they have to be attempting to do something. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see what happens next. I mean, we talked last night and I, I, I put a, I put kind of a bullet point on this today on Twitter. Cause I think I, I, I worked through my thoughts more. The reason I'm extremely interested in Goran Dragic being a part of the Mavericks is Luca is kind of on the edge of a knife. He is one of the four best players in the world and he doesn't have good habits. He doesn't always take games seriously and he's still able to be one of the top four players in the world. I think Goran Dragic is one of the few people on earth who can get (laughs) through to Luca at this point. You know, lots of people are like, well, Dirk can Dirk can like, Guys, Dirk is not a part of this front office. Like this, he, he was a ceremonial person. Until we start seeing him at games, I'm not going to be convinced otherwise. Dirk has talked too much about wanting to be a family man, about wanting to be with his kids as they're at this key point in their in their lives. Like I agree that Dirk is one of the few people who could do it, but that's not his way. You know, they're there. You, you go back and look at the the 2017 Euro. Uh, I think it was the Euros where. Where they won, and, and Drogic led the team. Luca was a part of it. He's a. He, he, I think Luca really appreciates him. And if you watched the Slovenian game tonight, where they beat Germany ninety four to uh, to seventy, Goran's brother Zoran is 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 like him in that he plays hard all the time, and and Luca just needs that because it's the NBA is a grind, and and you have to show up to work every night, and and. You know, I don't think Luca got pushed enough, which is a key reason why Jamal Mosley was not considered for the Mavericks head coaching, despite all the rumors that we heard. I know he was not considered. This is just this is just the thing. And it's why, you know, I'm rambling now, but it's why I'm just kind of interested in the Mavericks getting a firm veteran in there to show him how it's done. Um, so anyways, I'll stop yeah. talking. No, and I can't disagree with anything you said, and it would be welcome. And then you have the side benefit of does he can he still give you something on the court? You know, can they find the 2020 bubble Dragic, which was what the third best player on an NBA finals team, mm-hmm. but also his body seems to be falling apart because he couldn't even finish yep. that play. He couldn't finish that playoff run. Um, Shout out to to bodies falling apart. We <laughs> we we here at Mavs Moneyball can relate to this. Yeah. Uh, and I, I agree with everything you said. Like, I would love that. My thing is if it comes at the expense of like, is this the final move of the off season and your off season is Drogic, Bullock and Brown. That's where I get a little queasy and that's sure. not a bad off season, but it is once again, it would be your third straight off season with Luka Doncic as your clear next, your, your clear best player that you went through a free agency where you did not pick up a starting level difference making talent. Um, you know, I'm, it means that since February of 2019, you know, you look at that roster and it's that plus these three guys. Um, and that's a tough pill to swallow, I think, because it doesn't, that wouldn't solve the Mavericks problems. It, it makes them a better team, but like, does it, it's, I feel like it still contains them within that, four through six seed kind of tier that in the Western conference, uh, maybe with some good luck and, and bad luck for other teams, maybe they push higher. I don't know. Cause, cause Luca is just that damn good. And you realize how good they could have been last year without COVID, what their record could have been. Um, so that's always a possibility, but just, you know, we've seen in too much over the last 10 years that playoff basketball 
is a wildly different beast than NBA regular season basketball. It's just different. It's it's getting to the point where it's almost two separate games in my mind. And we've seen the last three years that this current roster the Mavericks have made up is not is not good good enough for NBA playoff basketball. Um, I don't want to have to rely on Luca finding another level, like another because he's running out of levels to find. Quite frankly, so mm-hmm. uh, it would be a it would be an okay off season if if Dragic was the final move. Uh, they would certainly be a better team than they were last year. But again, that's not. I don't think that would have been a hard hard bar to clear, considering what that team looked like in the final five games of that playoff series against the Clippers. Uh, but I, I still feel like that's a disappointment when you consider how much uh, ammunition they've had to work with since February 2019. Yes, they haven't had the trade ammo because they put everything in the stops basket. But max cap room in 20 max cap room in 2019, full mid level in 2020, max cap room uh, in 2021, and all you have to show for it is are these three guys? Uh, yeah. That's yeah. tough, right? Like, that's not me trying to be pessimistic or, or or trying to be a hater. That's just kind of where where it is. Like, they still need, like, where is the second all-star on this team if Kristaps Porzingis cannot get back to where they were? And you just, you cannot win an NBA championship or maybe make a, a, a finals run unless you have two all-star level players. So it, it puts a lot on, on Porzingis trying to get back to form. And, and that's just a gamble that we have no idea how that's going to shake out. So. Uh, I hate to be a downer, but it's just if it's Drogic, that's just going to be disappointing to me if he's the final final move of the summer, final big move of the summer, I should say. Yeah. Well, you know, it's important to for us to note once again that that by the time that you're hearing this, things <laughs> could be different, and it's Josh yes. and I just wasted 25 minutes of time, but that's kind of where we are. We like talking about this stuff. I feel, you know, compared to where I was this morning, you know, as much as much as I was like, I wasn't trolling. I was just, I just don't think think that that Demar's worth like a max deal, and neither does the market. Um, so a lot of this changes. It, you know, things can change pretty quickly, and we'll see where the Mavs go from here. Um, yeah, oh, and let me reiterate: like, uh, if um, if the Mavericks get like a Dinwiddie tomorrow, and you add that to Bullock and Brown, that is like a perfect off season to me. Like that is batting a thousand. That's so I don't want to like, you know, I know I kind of ended on a dreary note there, but I just want to know there, there is an opportunity for the Mavericks to still do something uh, that really helps them out. Yep. Yep. Well now um, the, I, I suppose the last thing we should leave on um, first, we're starting to see the rookies eligible for their extension sign. Uh, and over the last few minutes we've seen, um, Shea Gillius Alexander agree to a five-year, $172 million max rookie extension, which is pretty wild. Uh, uh, Trey Young agreed to his five-year, $207 million extension, which is essentially what you can look for. Um, you know, that was a real, like, that's what Luca's going to get. Like, it's the same. It's the yeah, same. Over $200 million. Um, yeah. It's over $200 million, and it's because of, it's because of the, um you see it's all star or um, all nba all nba and it's it's starting for all star which both trey and luca did um and then it's or all nba which luca did uh so luca is like triple qualified which is really something (laughs) um and then before we go 
Uh, Slovenia also just absolutely demolished Germany, um, <laughs> which it was kind of a close game for a while. And this Slovenian team has a, you know, they have a three out of four chance now to medal. Um, they play the winner of France and Italy and uh, they do that Thursday. Um, I think is the next game. I don't know. I could be wrong. It's this date and time stuff's confusing with uh, the, the international timeline, but um, it's really cool. It's really fun to watch because, as, as I think Luca tweeted out, like our country only has two hundred, like two million people, and we're one of the top four basketball teams in the world. And he's right, and and he's just playing otherworldly basketball. I, I, it's a shame that it's that it's on the other side of the world because a lot of people aren't getting to see it. But you know, the, there was a guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the the post game quote if I can find it here because it was just. It was just one of the, the the most killer quotes for the Slovenian coach. I don't want to butcher his name, but it's Alexander Sikulkic. Sorry, guys. We'll ask but, his talk. Yeah, his quote was on Luca's unselfishness. He's not coming here to show off. He's coming here to help the team. He came here to have fun on the court, have fun with the guys on the court, and we are here to use him as much as possible, to use his magic. That's just a killer quote. I mean, like, like Rick Carlisle is always like, well, yeah, you know, Luca, really good, one amazing basketball player. Blah blah blah. And, and granted, the stakes are different. And I know that a lot of people are not really into Olympic basketball, but it's 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 just really cool to watch because it matters a ton for these guys. And and that's I just think it's fun. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's making me sad because it's it's kind of showing me what Luca looks like and what his team can look like when he has like two or three guys that are pretty good compared to the competition. Yep. And, it, and it's like it's like oddly pissing me off. Uh, <laughs> Zoran Dragic had twenty seven points on thirteen shots, and I'm like, can he? Can they get that one instead of <laughs> the Goran and what, uh, Toby? Uh, can they get him instead of Kristaps? Like, what's going on? Like, great. is that what they need? I don't know. It's driving Great. me nuts, but it's a, you're right. It's amazing. I mean, more people live in DFW, I think, than, than live in Slovenia. So oh, uh, crazy. Well, all right. We'll be back tomorrow night because there'll probably be more to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to host a green room, which I will either post as a distinct podcast if it'll record because um, it didn't record for me last night. I'll either post as a distinct podcast or tack on to the back end of this. Um, so if you have a 90-minute podcast in the morning, sorry, guys. Um, but, yeah, people like talking about this stuff. This has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. Please share. Please tell your friends. Please rate and subscribe if you don't already. We really appreciate it. This is the time of year where we get a ton of kind of uh, pass-through traffic. And if you're new to our podcast, we would be grateful to have you subscribe. So this has been a good time, Josh. Thank you very much. And everybody, we will talk to you shortly.